What's up, principals, and welcome to the Principal Crew Podcast. You know me. My name is Adam Welcome. I'm a principal. I'm your host, and this is the podcast that I wish I had 10 years ago when I first became a principal because this podcast is all about principles all of the time because that's just what we do. The job is fun. It's hard. It's challenging. It can be lonely at times. You know what I'm talking about. So that's why we have this podcast. And today on the show, I am so excited to welcome first year principal. Oh my gosh. Uh, in a pandemic with so many different things going on. I know this is going to be an awesome conversation. Alma Henry, all the way from Kansas. Alma, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. Appreciate for it. For sure. hundred percent. So for those that don't know who you are, tell us about yourself, where you're from, where you work, just kind of give us the lowdown. Okay. So I am actually, this is my first um, principal gig. Yes, but I am actually my third year um, as a principal. And then I started being an elementary or a middle school teacher um, here in Hutchinson, Kansas. Uh, and so my very first um, experience with Hutchinson Middle School, and um, I grew up in Hutch. Mm -hmm. I actually moved from Mexico when I was eight years old, and I couldn't speak a lick of English. I walked in into the ELL program in Hutchinson, and after that, um, it's just kind of all Hutch. I went away for just a little bit to college, and after I came back, um, I, I, I never pictured myself back into my hometown. Uh, so Hutch hasn't always been home, I suppose. Um, after I did middle school for about six years or so, then I became an instructional coach at the middle school. Loved it, every minute of it. Um, and after that, I thought, you know, I really wanted to make a big impact or a difference and not just in the classroom. And so I kind of started dabbling in the leadership a little bit and I, loved my practicum hours as a principal so I looked into it so after that I became an elementary principal um completely new to elementary and so this is year three now here yeah I love That's it so kind of if I ever if I ever come to visit I, I need to remember to call it Hutch so I sound like a local is that kind of right like if you say hey Hutchinson then you know people know you're not you're not from there but if you walk in somewhere and you're like yeah I was just in Hutch people Hutch people Hutch. know yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that right yeah that's exactly right you have to say Hutch and in fact we have a <laughs> uh, I'm going to give a little a little shout we have a um, some local shake place it's amazing it's called the Hutch oh. and so yeah you have to yeah you have All to right. do Hutch for sure I've been, I've been to quite a few places in Kansas so if I ever cruise through I'll let you know and I'll have to get a shake over. so yeah so hey talk about being an immigrant from another country and uh, learning the language and and then you know being a, a product of where you went to school and then coming back to be a leader and what has that done for you now as a leader when you maybe have students that are English learners or are struggling or with teachers that maybe are struggling to connect with English learners and just that whole that whole ecosystem can you can you talk about that? Yeah, so you know, coming coming from um, Mexico, being literally just dropped into an elementary school. Um, I was eight years old, mm -hmm. and um, it was I remember it clear as day. Uh, first of all, and, and this is kind of something that I, I'm completely proud to share. We came here legally, and it was just um, we lived the life, and it was very 
traumatic. There's a lot of different things that I still hold dear, but also some lessons learned from that. Um, we went through the entire legalization process. and um, But back then, being an eight-year-old kid who was just dropped um, in an elementary school was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Um, I just wanted to fit in. You know, that was it. It was uh, all about assimilation. Um, we, it didn't look anything, school didn't look anything what it looks like now. Um, I was basically um, very secluded. It was an inclusion room where it was eight hours a day, every single day, Monday through Friday. I learned English. That was really it. I learned some math here and there and some social studies, but it was English. That was it. I had the most wonderful ELL teacher. Her name was Mrs. Riojas, and she would do uh, Monday through Thursday these tapes. And I would, you know, you remember those like blue headphones? Oh, yes. Large headphones. <laughs> they look like Beats, but they're like not. Shout out to the blue headphones, the original Bose Beats. Yeah, I get and it. So I put my blue headphones on and uh, the little gal would say, um, you know, uh, you know, this is how you say yellow in, and obviously she's speaking in Spanish, in English, yellow, repeat after me, yellow. And so I'm like, yellow. <laughs> so wow. and I, every day, Monday through Thursday, Friday was the day we could go back into our classrooms, our regular mm -hmm. classrooms. We'd walk in there and I was terrified, but that's where we can kind of interact with other kids. And that's kind of where I learned my street English mm -hmm. um, there. Uh, we did some flashcards on Fridays too, just to, you know, what are the different words, but it was looking back, it was one of those things that I remember as a kid, um, I wanted to fit in. I wanted, and I wanted people to see me. That was the two, that was the two things because it felt like I was just kind of in the middle of something that, you know, I'm here, I'm here, you know, um, even though um, it didn't feel like I belonged for a while. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as an educator, um, and like I said, I wanted to make a difference. I, I still do. I am very passionate about English language learners um, because I live the life like, you know, you just talked about. So I want that for our kids. I want our kids to be seen and I want them to feel valued more than anything that yeah. they're race, ethnicity, difference, and every, all of that does not matter whatsoever. Um, and so it, I feel like we have a huge responsibility and opportunity, especially in school and in elementary school at that, to set that foundation of how do we deal with differences and how do we talk to each other? Um, and like you said with teachers, you know, how do we make sure that kids are being seen and valued and not just the ELL, you know, population, everyone, Yeah. but especially those kiddos who are already struggling with belonging. Yeah. You know? I think, uh, I think too, something that we haven't talked about was the parent component. My first, my first admin job, I was an assistant principal at a school and a large portion of the parent of the, of the kids of the community uh, were Indian. They were from India mm -hmm. and that was a new, it was new for me. And some strategies that I did was I went to go visit families in their home and I would eat lunch with the kids and talk with them and just learn about different things about their community so I could better connect with the parents when it was a positive phone call home or a negative phone call home, you know, without knowing the demographics of Hutch and just maybe, you know, giving ideas to leaders and aspiring leaders and educators out there. Do you, do you remember how your parents felt from a school perspective? And if you don't, that's fine. Or what you would say to 
people like what what recommendations would you give hey when you have a family that is doesn't speak the language or you know you know whatever it is here are some tips to help connect with them to make them feel um, a part of the school community yeah you know um i think a little what goes a long way is is that is going that extra step you know sometimes it is kind of a, a joke when um you know uh, for instance, Spanish. Um, that's that's what I. That's my language. That's my very first language, and I, I do have in, in our school. And I'll, I'll, we can I can get, get into our school demo later. But I, I have a large portion of um, Hispanic, and so I have I believe twenty seven percent, if not twenty nine percent, Hispanic, and so I have. Spanish is spoken quite a bit um, among eight other languages. There's nine languages spoken at this school, and so it's not. It's about you know, making sure like what you said, you, you're making those connections with them more than anything else in that you are going a little bit extra um, to know like, I wanna make sure that you are a part of this school more so than anybody else because there is already a language barrier there. So I'm trying to get through the barriers more than anything else. So I guess some of those tips would be just going that extra mile, uh, that, that joke being like on Spanish, you know, sometimes, um, like, for instance, my secretary will go, I can't, I, you know, they'll, they'll, come, they'll come in, um, our Spanish speaking parents, and she'll say, buenos dias, uh, like, she'll try to, you know, it speaks in Spanish, but they appreciate that so much, because you are trying to, you know, meet me where I'm at, rather than, you know, we don't speak English, we don't speak Spanish here, let me go get you my translator, or let me go get Mrs. Henry, you know, it's more of a, I'm going to do everything in my willpower to connect with you because you're important. Yeah, um, I think that's such a great point. If you invest five, 10 minutes of learning some basic phrases, welcoming them, I, I've had the opportunity to travel all over Europe and South America. And, you know, Spanish is the main other language in English that I can speak and understand, but learning some Dutch or German or French or wherever you are, or, I had a family that was from Poland. So I went to Google Translate and listened over and over again. Welcome, hello, and welcome to our school in Polish, just so yeah. I can say that, you know, and, and you don't need a master's degree or a doctorate or to buy a book. You just gotta give some, give some energy to it. Um, I love it, awesome tips. Okay, to, to switch gears a little bit. Sure. I feel that the interview process for hiring teachers and then for leaders applying for jobs. I feel it's broken. I feel that, I feel like, you know, we have people, we, we, we get their resume and we look at their resume and we come in and ask them the 10 questions and blah, blah, blah. So I've always been fascinated with trying to find that question or those questions that really dig deep so I can find out who you are to see if you will be that member of our team that's going to take us to the next level or bring in something that we don't have. Maybe we're, we're kind of weak in our EL department or our SPED department, you know, so the resume only says so much. What is your favorite interview question to ask candidates when hiring new staff? My favorite question is how do you build relationships with kids who are hard to build relationships with? because it's easy not well some easy to build relationships with those tier one even tier two but i mean the ones that keep bucking you over and over and over and over again 
how do you build those relationships with those kids? And my favorite, and it's part of our, um, we have um, a system here in, in, in our district where we kind of screen for at-risk um, population. We have pretty high at-risk population. And so not that, um, you know, you're, you, if you, you know, not pass the at-risk uh, evaluation, which is part of the, uh, the interview process, it doesn't mean that you're not hired. It's just more of a, well, we, we need a, someone who's for sure going to thrive in an environment of being, you know, kiddos who are at risk. Um, but one of the questions on there, and I won't say word for word, but it's basically a, um, you know, something like a kiddo who's bucking you on, I'm not sure, um, a misbehavior in the classroom, maybe blurting, for instance, what would you do? What would you do in that situation? And then a teacher could say, well, you know, I would make sure that I'd have a conversation with that student. Great. You do that. That doesn't work. But what would you do next? Okay. Well, then I would. Da, 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 da. Okay, great. That, that's, that's an idea. That doesn't work. What would you do next? And to me, I'm thinking like, how, 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 how can you, how long would do you go? When do you give up? And I hope the answer is never. I never give up. Or how creative do you get? Because, you know, you've read those books in credential school or seen the poster with take her, do these 10 things. But at some point you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tear that poster down and, and think, think differently because our, our kids are different. I mean, every year that they come to us, they, they are a little different. So I love that. I'm always looking for that question. That's really gonna, I want people to stop and think because they haven't prepared for that question. Uh, Cause I want to see what kind of person they are going to be. So on the flip side, I think the resume is, is dead. I think the resume is outdated. I don't think the resume really tells you anything. It's just, you know, just bullet points. What recommendation would you give to aspiring leaders that are looking for that instructional coach, assistant principal, principal job, and not necessarily from a resume standpoint, but when they're interviewing and they're presenting themselves, what tips or recommendation would you give to them? So, you know, take the resume out. So they really show the, 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 the hiring committee who they are. Um, do, you have, do you have any tips? You know, I guess maybe my style when I interview, so, and, and I'm, I'm gonna go to the flip, but when I interview my style is kind of what you're talking about it's a conversation, kind of like what you and I are having right here. Mm -hmm. You know, my, I guess in my thinking, that resume says a lot of what can I do in terms of technical skills, trade, you know, that sort of thing. Most of that, as you know, we can teach that. I, I can't teach heart. That, that you have, you know, that if you have a heart for kids and it's there. So I guess in the flip side is if, if you're aspiring to be an instructional coach or a, a principal, you go in there and you talk about why you want to do that. Why, why, why is it lighting you on fire? Why is it um, your passion? Um, and just be completely vulnerable and honest with why you're doing this in the first place and leave out the bells and whistles. And, you know, and, you know, I have a, you know, STEM background. Okay, sure. That's great. But it's more about having that heart for kids than anything else, because like what you said, once, once you have that heart for kids and, and they're important to you, everything else kind of just kind of, yeah. you know, uh, filters in. Yeah. I always tell people don't act weird. Yeah. I feel like people, you know, like as a principal, it, it's cool when there's, when there's back to school night, you get to go around and kind of poke your head in the classrooms. And I remember the first time I did that as an assistant principal, because it wasn't me in the classroom doing that as a teacher, I was thinking to myself, why are the teachers acting so weird? Because they're used to talking and working with students. They're not used to working with the adults. 
And I used to talk with my staff about that. I think this mindset actually translates to interviewing is just be yourself. Talk to them as if they are students because then the parents aren't going to get the real you and the hiring committee is not going to get the real you. So people that are listening, when you're interviewing, interviewing for a job, don't act weird. Act yourself, you know, be yourself and if the job is meant to be, it'll, it'll be, you know, and, you know, and here's also what I tell people who are in front of me interviewing, this is your interview as much as it's my interview. Mm -hmm. It has to fit both ways. You're kind of interviewing me too. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be settling in and being, you know, I'm convincing you that I'm okay with the job or vice versa. I'm convincing you to come to this school. No, it should be a mutually, it's like a relationship. It should be a mutually exclusive, Mm -hmm. you know, I, here's, here's us, here's me. I have nothing to apologize for. Here's who we are as a school. Here's who you are. Is it a good fit more than anything else? It's not about winning or getting something or a competition of any sort. It's really just truly about, is it going to be your job that lights you on fire? Yeah. I cannot, I cannot agree more. Tell me about a time that you failed at something as a leader. What happened? And what did you learn from it? I think the failure is not even the biggest part. It's the, how you reacted and how you learned from it. And then what you did on the flip side. Phew. Okay. Well, I fail all the time. <laughs> so hard. It's so hard to pick one, honestly. Um, goodness. I'm just trying to think, you know, this year has been just a really interesting year because we are doing first everything. It's a first for everyone it's a first time we call it FT first for everyone. Um, I think Brene Brown calls it something different, but it's a first for everyone. And so I think when I, I feel like, well, right now, sometimes it does feel like I'm failing because it does, I don't feel as effective as I was last year or a couple of years ago, just because it is the very first time. So I guess I'm mean, not, I don't want it to be that a cop-out answer, but you know, when I, when, when this year first started, I think I thought I failed or I feel like I failed when I wanted to just go like I, I wanted, I wanted the, the year to look like last year. Like I'm like, okay, in August, this is what we did. This is what we did in September, but really you can't treat it like any other year. You have to give extra grace. You have to make sure that everybody's okay to say, Hey, you know what? This sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, and we have, we have to, you don't, don't live there, you know, then we can go somewhere else. But I, I've, I made a mistake at the beginning of the school year. I felt like when I felt like we, let's just go, we're just going to barrel through. And I pumped the brakes pretty fast when I realized that, no, what we need is to connect with each other more than anything else, because, um, you know, we all pretty much were shut down in Kansas, at least in March. And, um, we hadn't seen each other for a long time and the summer was weird. And so when we got to August and September, we can't just go, we had to reconnect mm. because that's what we teach. I mean, that's what I, we talk to our staff about. We talk to when, when kids come in, you don't just teach reading and math or, you know, you build on relationships, you reconnect, you set expectations, you know, all that. And then you get to the nitty gritty. So I think I learned to continue, I continue to learn that lesson. Even today, today's my first day, our first day back mm. actually into the, um, building back from uh, winter break. And uh, today's a work day for teachers. We all have a mile long of lists, things that we have to do. I walked in, this is the first time I sat in my office because I thought, you know what? I haven't seen these people in three weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna connect. How was your break? And it's not like, good, it was great. And that's it. No, how was it? How is your mom? How's mm-hmm. your dad? What did you get for Christmas? 
little things like that to just bring you back to humanity, really. Yeah. Which is what we want right now. Yeah. Leaders that are listening right now, I hope you're taking notes because it's it's those things that make the difference. It's not that the borders or like the chairs all color coordinate in the classroom. It's 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 you know it's it's knowing about people and finding out about them and checking in with them with with genuine care um, because that's the essence of a team. And then when things get really tough with the team, your team will be stronger because of those those connections and those relationships that you have. Um, Alma, if you could be one job for one day, what would you do and why? And if you could do one job for one year, what would you do and why? Oh man, you put me on the spot here. Um, does it have to be education related? No, not at all. Think big. Think big. <laughs> It's funny because the first job, I'm going to tell you, Adam, the first job that came to mind when you said the one job that you could be, and then when you said a year, it changed. But I thought, man, it'd be nice to be a Starbucks barista. Ah, <laughs> do it. Hey, it's your choice. You know, what? you know what I was thinking though? Honestly, it would be really neat to own a coffee shop and a bookstore. Mm. Like it, like at the same time, the coffee shop's there, the bookstore's right there. And I mean, my love for reading comes out there, but you know, then you also still get to have the people interaction, the relationships, and that's kind of why we're in this business, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about the people. Um, so I still want the people aspect to it. So I think I, I definitely could do that for a year cool. also. Um, cool. Just connecting and reading and relaxing and sipping on coffee. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, well, speaking of books, you, you dropped Brene Brown. She has been the most dropped name on this podcast. Really? Uh, Brene, if you're listening, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Please, please reach out. What is your favorite leadership book to read that you've read? Or like the leadership book that you recommend to other leaders to say, hey, as you're coming up, as you're thinking, as you're in your career, this is really going to help you think about leadership. Man. So when you said leadership books, I was just thinking like a specific where it has to deal with leadership, but I feel like I've learned more about leadership in the non-leadership books, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So a couple books came to mind. Yes, Brene Brown did come to mind because Braving the Wilderness was um, recommended to me last year. Definitely not a leadership book, but it is a, how do you stand alone? And like what you said at the beginning of this podcast, this principalship sometimes does feel like a lonely job and so it's um there's a, a a quote in there in that braving the wilderness book that says i will not be moved and that really spoke to me because it's about being grounded in your hope and your belief in your systems and the way that you do things the way that that you carry business and so that's always stuck with me um, and she's always talking about being clear, clear as kind, you think little, 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 little snippets of, of that. But I think as an aspiring leader, you know, making sure that you stay grounded and that you, you have those, um, you know, those fundamental beliefs and, and values. I think that's what, that's the type of book that, that I would at least recommend. Um, I said a couple and I just lost the other one, <laughs> but that's the, that's the one, that's the one that really like, stuck out. Yeah, no, I love mind. it. All right. So the president calls you, uh, any, any president, I'm just being general. And he says, Alma, I want you to come and be the secretary of education 
for our entire country. That's a big job. What do you do? What are your priorities in that position for public schools across our country? Um, you know, I know this is a hot topic, um, but I, I think um, for me, equality is number one. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, I, you hear a lot of the word equity. Yes, that's part of it too. But, you know, right now we have to have really hard conversations, I think, about, you know, what are we instilling and teaching our kids in terms of how we handle differences of opinion, differences of, um, especially differences of opinion, but differences also in, in just in the way you appear in, in terms of your um, appearance and um, all of that. So I, I would tackle equality more than anything else. Um, that's something that we keep talking about here over and over again, you know, in our school, um, I, our Hutchinson STEM magnet is the name of our school. And I love the fact that it is the melting pot of Hutch. So I'm not a neighborhood school. I actually, uh, it's all over town in Hutch. And so I have some area um, that, that come in and it is like I told you the nine languages. So we have all sorts of different um, uh, demographics that come in. We wear uniforms. And I love that because I keep telling the kids, what does the word uniform mean? It means one. And um, we are one. We are completely one together. And you can't tell, you know, socioeconomic status or you can't tell any of that. And I think that would be my, my number one go-to um, that I want every, every building to feel that way, to feel like I, I matter here, no matter what I think and no matter how I feel. Well, you, you have my vote, my friend, for that job. Um, I don't know. Um, but uh, Alma Henry, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate the conversation, the ideas, the books, the tips, the background, and uh, everything else in between. And for everybody listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, subscribing and recommending this podcast to your friend. And uh, as always, I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.